This is the Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast, hacker for hire groups are helping governments spy on journalists, human rights activists, and political dissidents. Hank Fordham, Hank the Hacker, is a white hat hacker, ethical hacker, joins the Shift to tell us more about the Pegasus program that allows these hacks to happen to anyone and how some people can access your phone just by holding it in their hand and giving it back to you with some of the technology that's out there. It's mind-blowing. On In Case You Missed It, Ryan O'Donnell highlights exciting handheld gaming PC, plus a look at Jeff Bezos' upcoming trip to space and the descendants of Leonardo da Vinci, plus Are You Okay? with Gossip at Work and New Coke. All of this and more coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with new Coke? Uh, I never, I've never had it. I've wanted to try it. I almost bought some because when the new season of Stranger Things came out, they re-released it because Coke partnered with Netflix, but I didn't buy it. Almost two reasons. Bill Cosby advertisements for it kind of, you know. No, thanks. And uh, apparently it's really gross. Ah. (laughs) Brendan Kelly, soft drink drinker. I was. I was a big soft drink drinker as a child up into my early 20s. Lots of Coca-Cola products consumed. Um, Working off of that, I started the Coke Zero to try because, you know, the expanding waistline of drinking Coca-Cola regular. Um, yep. But now, like, no, I, the only thing I drink now is Zevia with this Stevia. So it's it's not real. It's not even, it's not even anything. It doesn't taste like anything, but it does the trick. It gives me the carbonated drink. <laughs> All sugar-free pop is disgusting. I just don't get it. I don't get how people really? drink it. Stevia's yeah, natural. I can't do it. All right. Well, Coke Zero, it's one of Coca-Cola's most popular drinks. They're going to get a makeover in the recipe. There will be a change in the look of the can and the taste of the beverage. Again, 2017, they did it. Mixed results, though. Here are people doing blind taste tests with Business Insider. The first is Coke Zero, the old one. This, to me, doesn't really taste like Coke Zero. This is not good. That, I think, is Diet Coke. I just had a Diet Coke earlier and it tastes exactly like that all right uh the second is diet coke i think that's the coke zero sugar that's diet coke um that just tastes horrible sorry this doesn't taste very familiar this is diet coke and it's good i like diet coke and (laughs) i don't know how these people know all this and finally the new coke some samples introduced in 2017 that's Coke Zero. It tastes really familiar. That, I think, is the regular Coke Zero, the old one. It tastes like the Coke Zero I've been drinking earlier today. I like this one. Number three is the new one. Wow. Yeah, that guy was that guy got all of them right. He was not joking when he said he was a diet drink aficionado, which he said in a clip that I did not put in this story. <laughs> Take yeah. my word for it. Catherine on the text says, I like Coke of the 70s, but I don't drink it. D. Wayne says the new Coke was slash is gross. Mm-hmm. Coke Zero actually tastes pretty good. I only had one, my first one, I think, a couple of weeks ago. It was all right. Yeah. Coke Zero is better than diet. 
but I can't drink either of them anymore because I'm allergic to aspartame. <laughs> so oh, I can't wow. have it. Yeah. So, but that's never been a problem because I don't really like it. But yeah, I've been drinking the uh, the Gatorade zeros, the ones that uh, the zero sugar Gatorades. Oh, yeah. I like those. Those are yeah, they're all right. Yeah. I like those. Gets the sugar out. Try to drink a lot of them. The company is altering the recipe to make it taste more like Coca-Cola Classic. It will still use artificial sweeteners to keep the calories down. As for the appearance, the can will be all red going forward instead of the black and red. The new version of Coke Zero will roll out in the U.S. in early July and Canada in September. UK already has new, new, new Coke Zero. And apparently, we're told, it's much better. I think it'll create some confusion, though, with all red. Yeah, because I, I, normal Coke cans are red. I, I think it's a black font, but still, they're totally going to confuse people. <gasps> Do you mm. think that was on purpose? <gasps> Maybe. Ooh. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But why would you create confusion with your own product, though? That would seem weird to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thank you very much. Uh, Jolt is number one from Blue Man. Oh, man. That is a throwback to... <sighs> <laughs> The monster energy drinks, and now there's a C. We found a C4 energy drink, and I don't know if you know C4. It's like a pre-workout product. Oh no! And it's uh, comes with loaded with caffeine, and you can get it as an energy drink now. But if you go buy C4 from your supplement store, you buy your protein, your C4. It's your pre-workout. Get your pump on, and now you can get C4 energy drinks. We saw that this weekend. That was concerning. That's got to be the worst thing for your heart. Yeah, for everything. Everything. Uh, before you go, before you go running, Brendan Kelly, because you like to run around places. Yeah. Uh, do you do like pre workout stuff or any of those jack up your system? No. Yeah, I've tried them in the past, but I don't, they don't really seem to do anything for me. So mm. I don't do a lot of pre workout stuff. No, just try to stay hydrated and turn on the old talk radio. <laughs> Nothing like some Canadian common sense to get you through all of your long running. Are you okay? Are you okay with scented candles? Absolutely. I love them. Yes. Definitely. I have actually, I used them. I have one beside my bed and I use it on purpose. I've been using it through, through the pandemic. Anytime I felt like I may have been feeling a COVID symptom, I'll smell the scented candle to oh, make smart. sure. Yeah. And I still have it there to this day. Yeah, just like for that PCR test. Yeah, exactly. Best That's cool. place. That's a really good idea. If you want to go get candles, is to go to Winners or HomeSense, and they have this whole section of candles, and they're way cheaper than the things you buy at the other stores, which are so expensive. So expensive, and they've got some really great ones. And um, before some of the fellows go, oh, fru fru candles. Um, then trust me, there's some really good masculine, you know, like cologne. It's not as strong as cologne, but more masculine sense too. Like for the dudes to have a, a dude place that doesn't have to sound pretty or smell pretty. You can have some really nice, um, you know how like guys hair product smells, you know, different than the girls stuff. It smells Um, like men. That's the description yeah. I use. Is it's just it's a man scent. I prefer yeah. give me some lavender. Oh yeah, that's what you got to do. <laughs> I 
I do have a pineapple candle, you'll be surprised to hear. And I also, at Christmas time, often burn my pine-scented candle because I love the yeah. smell of pine trees. Nice. I got a couple good ones. They're great. Like men's soap. You can go buy soap for men, too, which smells like man soap. It doesn't smell all... Like, doesn't smell all fluffy. Like cast, can I, Does it smell like Castrol GTX or something? Like Motor Oil? <laughs> WD-40. <laughs> <laughs> I use... Um, there's a, a place right by my house. It's all honey, and they make candles and soap. And I use this one called Black Knight, and I have absolutely no idea what it smells like. I just know I like the smell of... That really? can that not the candle, the soap, but mm-hmm. anything made with honey, including candles yep. and beeswax. Nice, it's a good way to go. Well, if you're frugal like me, go to Winners. They actually have a men's health section. It's not very big, but they've got some shampoo there um, for Brian and I, not for Brennan. And they've got some uh, scented candles and soap for Brennan. <laughs> there, Winners actually has a great selection of plain black t-shirts. They usually go there to get those. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Winners is great. <laughs> well, uh, are you okay with scented candles? And uh, what is that? What's that first word? Uh, it's believe. Uh, which We'll believe. Blive. Yeah, Blive. Yeah. This yeah. Whole, I will, I will this, as an insight no. into me, a, a few of the words I can never spell right the first time, believe is the number one I can never spell right. The first this time. whole Just story like here, these like first three lines, I think this is record setting. This could yes. be record setting. Wool, this one was well, done. Wool. Why don't I just well, read this one? Well, no, I'm going to try it because I think it'll be fun. <laughs> well is missing an L. Believe is missing yeah. an E. That's a typo. Yeah. I believe it's missing an E. That's a typo. Or not. The market for candles seems to be getting hotter and hotter. There is a string of candle thefts happening in America, (laughs) and they keep getting weirder. Weirder. That's a typo. It's not even done yet. Here's Jasut. That's a typo. One example from NBC2 News. (laughs) You know, right now, nothing surprises me. Anita Fallhaber is talking about this video taken at Bath and Body Works in Port Charlotte. She says she can see how these two took off with $1,200 worth of candles. The couple you see here took advantage, walking out with 53 three-wick candles. I mean, I can't imagine people needing $1,200 worth of candles in the house. It's, it's got to be for reselling. It's got to be. Some are asking why the employees watched without interfering. And of course, I can't speak on behalf of Bath and Body Works, but that, as far as I am to understand, their policy is not to interfere and to call law enforcement after the fact. While detectives work to ID the pair, one connection could be just a bit south. $1,400 of candles were stolen in Naples earlier this year. These two are facing the consequences. I am working close with the surrounding counties to try to figure out who these people are and if they've done it anywhere else. In the meantime, one way to maybe stop the stealing? I mean, I wouldn't be offended if they wanted to check my receipt, you know, got nothing to hide. Well, that's very nice. Mm -hmm. Check your receipt walking out of the store. Or tackle the guy who's got a... Giant pile of candles in his arms, tucked in his coat. Police in, yes, of course, Florida. Thank you, Florida, for the story. Are searching for a man who conducted an absurd robbery this weekend. This man was in uh, Doral, Florida. He escaped from a mall with stolen goods on Saturday by spraying everyone in his way with bear spray. 
It's a good way to get out. Mm-hmm. At least 30 people were injured. According to CNN, about 15 of the mace victims were employees of the Bath and Body Works. Police say the man is potentially looking at 30 to 40 felonies. <laughs> Store employees told police the suspect had stolen candles with Valdez acknowledging this is one of those only in Miami stories, which, by the way, we are considering renaming this entire segment from Are You Okay to What Happened in Florida Yesterday. Yeah, it, I can make it work. I even I found a song that actually is uh, very weird and will fit perfectly anytime we want to talk about Florida. Oh, I look forward to mm-hmm. hearing that. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Well, let's get this clip first. And they'll ask you the question about work. Eric likes Megan. He most definitely does. He's been asking her out repeatedly for weeks. She finally said yes. They went out on a group date the other night. Apparently it went very well. How do you know this? People tell me things. I guess I have a face you can trust. I think it's because of my low cheekbones. And? Boom. Okay, what is it? What can I guess? (laughs) I hate, hate, hate being left out. Whether it's not being picked for a team or being picked for a team and then showing up and realizing that the team doesn't exist or that the sport doesn't exist. I should have known. Poop ball. <laughs> I watched the office on the way back today on the flight. They had a office on there and they had the new guys and they nicknamed one of the new guys was Plop. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you Okay. Are you okay with gossip at work? Ooh. Hey, you know what Charles Adler calls you off the air? (laughs) (laughs) Last minute, Shane. (sighs) Last minute, Shane. I know. That's one way to put it. Well, he calls me Sean on the air, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Calls me Brent. Three people. Brent, yeah. (laughs) Well, you got to tell the story about when you came into the studio. Oh, when he came in? Yeah. I love the story. Yeah. Because we've yeah. been working remotely forever. He never actually seen me uh, when I started on his show. It was remote. Um, so he'd only ever heard me. Um, so, yeah, he just walked in, sat down directly across from me, and came through the talk back and just looked at me smiling. He's like, are you Brent? <laughs> Brent <laughs> Brent I didn't Kelly. want to correct him. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Nice to meet you. Oh, that's so funny. All right. All right. Three people working for Netflix must have been watching too much Gossip Girl, even though it's on Crave. (laughs) According to The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix fired three senior executives within its film marketing team for complaining about their bosses on Slack. Now, if you don't know what Slack is, it's like a messaging system for business that you can have these channels for, like, topics. So if you had... Uh, say if you use Slack inside truck driving or delivery, you could have a channel for all the delivery people. You could have a channel for all the mechanics people. You could have a channel for all of the inventory people. So if that's relevant to you, you follow the channel. You can comment on it, you know, and, and stuff like that. Okay, we have this order. Here's an exception number, da, 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 da. So it's a place for everyone to communicate, and you can check all the channels that are involved in your work. So it's basically like group chat for work. An employee who discovered several months' worth of conversations reported them to Netflix. The executives also criticized their direct boss, Jonathan Helfgott. 
I don't even know if that's the last name. It might be a typo. Health the VP of Original Film Marketing. All right. Interestingly, Helfgott himself was reluctant. He ultimately gave in to the pressure for more senior leadership to fire the three employees. Netflix Insider told their given company's emphasis on candor, it might have been actually uh, being the way in which the executives communicated their gripes through Slack messages they believed to be private rather than the substance that got them fired. So because it's a work chat, somebody else had access to see the chat. And they were Ooh. gossiping about the bosses, and they got fired for it. Now, is this a case of stupid because it's a work chat and you're complaining? Like on work email, like always expect that someone could open it up. I, I think it's a little stupid. I, in I mean, in Slack, you kind of have your own personal. Yeah, you, you know, you have these channels. But if you're on anything work related, uh, you probably should understand that there's a a chance somebody would see it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, then they should have just gotten together at the latest Netflix watching party and had those conversations there. Well, and you know what? It's not some, it's not, it's, it's work, right? It's all work stuff. So you can't, you can't assume anything. You know, in a radio station, you always assume someone can hear you. Always assume the mics are available, right? Because they can take the feet of the mic not going on the radio and still listen to it just because microphones are around. How many TV people you've heard go pee (laughs) on TV because they left the mic on? This is the Shift Podcast. There was a new article that was released. That shook me up a little bit, and I wanted to uh, bring it to Hank because the Washington Post had posted an article about governments hacking cell phones with a click of a button. Hank the Hacker, Hank Fordham, Centurion Defense joins me. Now, Hank, with that uh, picture behind you of your alien on our Zoom call, uh, it kind of looks like you have bunny ears with the alien's eyeballs <laughs> around behind your head. Yeah, I guess it <laughs> How does, are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm not too bad. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for staying up late uh, to be here on The Shift. Uh, This article talks about military-grade spyware licensed by governments, tracking media, journalists, human rights activists, business executives, and more. Now, this also gets back at the Jamal Khashoggi uh, story of the uh, the journalist who was killed. And those phone numbers of those people have popped popped up in more than one place. They, a list of more than 50,000 numbers concentrated in all kinds of countries that are known to surveil their citizens at the click of a button. Is this legit? Yeah. And, you know, it's something that we're starting to see a lot more of, especially with uh, private entities that are creating these kind of surveillance tools that don't really have to speak about it. Um, and, you know, the the normal malware as a service being sold on, on shady forums and on the deep web. Um, but even with this, this tool that we're seeing being used this time, Pegasus, it's, it's not unheard of and it's pretty, pretty well known in the media. El Chapo actually. Yeah, well, that's interesting. We, we, you had a burp on the internet connection there for a second. Thought we lost you. We're good. Now, Pegasus has been tossed around before. We've heard about Pegasus. So can you give us a bit of a recap of what is Pegasus and, and, and can you and I just go buy it? <laughs> um, Pegasus is it, it. So first off, no one can just buy it. It's, it's really only sold to government groups and, and not private entities. Uh, so you, only very, very certain government groups at that can buy it. 
and what it what it is is basically a tool that's when you look at it from the you know the bigger picture it's really basic um it just allows people who are using it to send their targets a link and when they click on the link it jailbreaks their phone and then installs malware and i actually have a ring here that does the exact thing so it looks like this but this one uses an nfc chip so you can see it looks like a kind of a carbide tungsten dark tungsten ring um looks like a wedding band and you can kind of see it looks like an rfid kind of chip that's on the on the outside if you're familiar with those or you know those shopping uh, chips that are on tags and stuff like that the ones that send off the beep 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 at the door um when try, ryan tries to jack a pair of shoes from Foot Locker. um those those ones i'm just kidding ryan doesn't steal the shoes he spends way too much money on them um and he does it happily um so I mean, it's very similar to that. That's what the ring looks like. Um, in the case of Pegasus, if you don't open the link and you don't open it on your phone, in theory, then you would be okay, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, you know, there's some other techniques that they've developed that don't require interaction, but uh, it's kind of a cat and mouse game. So as Apple updates something, they try and find a way to break it. And, you know, it's it's no coincidence that this is all becoming public four days after Apple released their their new update or they were being they knew that they got infected four days before Apple released their new update. So Hmm. it's only a matter of time before they start jailbreaking that update as well. So the ring that's in your hand, you've told us a little bit about this before. Um, You wear that ring like a wedding ring. If I give you my phone and put it in your hand. Would uh, that means you would have access to my phone? Yeah, so I've demoed this to the police a few times, even. But uh, it, it just you just have to hold on to someone's phone for a few seconds, and then you have full control of it anywhere in the world as long as they're connected to internet. So this is kind of like why when I'm doing demonstrations on social engineering, I try and express the importance in not kind of letting people take advantage of that, you know, reactionary kindness. So I had someone come up to me the other day and they asked me if they could borrow my phone. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I hate to be uh, mean or anything, but I had to say no. And and this is just part of that, you know, breaking that reactionary kindness and letting handing your phone over or letting someone borrow your phone or people have a huge habit of handing these things around like just to show something or show a post or a link or a video. I was thinking, um, I was thinking of security because when you go through security at the airport, I flew to Abbotsford this weekend for a hockey thing, uh, with my son and, and you know, you go through security and they say boarding pass, please. Now you'd like to think the border or the security people at the airport would be the good guys, but you never know. And they could take that, your phone and you hand it to them. They scan the code, they hand it back to you. And you would never be the wiser. You put the, your phone through the x-ray machine, they could pick it up, and you would never even know. You know, it, it's interesting you say that, because I, I, I didn't even really think about that. But um, it it's even goes as far as using a charging port at the, or a, yeah, charging port at the airport. People can make those malicious as well, so they can put... Uh, microcontrollers inside of those and then make it so if you try and charge your phone using that 
uh, it'll actually siphon, you know, they can take photos or they can install malware into your browser and then take your credentials. It's mind blowing. So there was another article that came out. Allie just texted into She's got a good point. Now the, the whole point of this was to use the RFID style chip in fingernails get your nails done, they paint a chip into your nails, uh, kind of like a business card. And then if you want to, you know, pass off, because you can buy those online too, those digital business cards where you just sort of tap your phone and it passes off your V card information to the phone, right? And so inside your fingernail, if uh, if you want to get your nails done, they put a chip inside the fingernail. To me, if you've got that same chip that's in your ring, you could probably get that done too and and not even need the ring anymore. Yeah, and and I'm gonna get in trouble, but without saying too much, um, I did demos the other day for police and done the same ones for the uh, airport as well, because um, they use that same technology for access, and some right. of them will like copy it onto their nails, and so it's like this convenience of being able to copy the the credentials, but. I even have it in my pocket right now, but it's a little tool that uh, you can use to copy these tags. So you can hmm. takes only a couple of seconds and just looks like oh, look it's like that. a normal little a car key car key fob. Yeah, but they you can just pick each one you want, and yeah. it, this one even has access to some pretty important buildings in our city. So, really? uh, yeah. And that's the scary thing is, you know, you can even put that in your nail. And then same thing with this ring. You can put the malware in your nail if you're a girl. And yeah, yeah, just infect phones with your fingernail. So what's the point? You know, is it to steal info or is it, you know, this is for the original story was sort of the spyware, quite literally spyware. I mean, this is like. James Bond level spyware where they're talking about literally spying on journalists and, and government people. So is that the point is to, you know, to just surveil them? You know, from the, from the outside view, NSO is marketing Pegasus in particular as they don't market it for that. And they even scream out that they're going to investigate it and look into any kind of misuse of their tool. But if we take, you know, if anyone takes a real good analytical look at, at their history and the use of this tool and how the misuse of this tool has continued, then it's quite obvious that I think when we say government access, it doesn't quite mean, uh, you know, they that's too restrictive. I think that once right. a certain department gets access, uh, if I worked there, then I could use Pegasus. And so if some someone with a certain political agenda worked there, then they can use Pegasus as well. Well, once it's inside the network and someone's looking at it, um, when do they stop? It's not like they're like, oh, he's a good guy. We don't have to stop. We don't have to watch him anymore now. I mean, I, that's the part that sort of gets me, right? Is at what point does it end? It's It probably doesn't ever end at that point. Um is there any good to this? I mean, how scary is this to you? Because this to me seems like, you know, pretty typical, don't trust the government kind of holy moly stuff. A little bit James Bond, but, you know, quite real. Because there was, I always think of those old stories from years ago about your chip in your in your wallet and how many different things have been said about, you know, someone could scan your wallet and steal your chip info. 
It seems very similar to that, but it's not like we've seen a ton of it. Is it really a big deal in real life, or is it just a matter of time before someone really gets their hands on this and has a mass-scale thievery operation? You know, I, I think that's a good question. And I think, like, between five and ten years ago, it wouldn't have been a big deal because, it, you know, the the amount of um, manpower and, and funding involved to make something like this happen or make a tool like this available would have been quite large or very private at that. But now we run into, you know, you have malware as a service and it, it becomes where uh, when I was getting into hacking, you had to learn it all on your own. And people were very, very inclusive about their knowledge. But now it's very easy to go spend 20 bucks and go credential stuff the CRA. You know, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's very easy for someone to go spend $20 and get access to the same kind of technology that's on this ring or the same kind of technology that Pegasus is using. And so I think, you know, in regards to your question, I think it's pretty terrifying. And I think that we're walking into an age where people need to be, as the end user, a lot more aware. And, you know, a good start for listeners would be if you get a link on your phone ever, don't click the notification, don't go into the text message, uh, you know, if, if it's coming from someone that you know, because these guys can spoof a phone number, just confirm mm-hmm. with that person if they actually sent you a link, make a phone call and start an open like line of communication about these things so that you don't fall victim to it. Even though none of us are like crazy political journalists or Right. Thing. I hope we're not. I don't know, man. Any, if you ever go missing, we're not I'm on any lists, <laughs> right? If, if Hank the hacker ever goes missing, I think we know why. Um, the the well, my um, my kid's stepdad, he got an app that spoofs the phone numbers, so you can spoof your phone number. In fact, as a joke, he called my son from my son's phone number, so you know yeah. that was funny. Um, so you can do that real easy. And sitting next to me on the plane today was this little old lady. I don't know how old she was, man. If I had to guess. She was probably 85, maybe 90. Like, I could put her in my pocket. She was so small. And she had her phone on. She's swiping away on her phone and checking her emails. She was very, very, very active on her phone and very good at it. And But it still occurred to me that when I get a t- strange text message, I've even had, uh, it's probably maybe been a year, but you get a strange text message, and I'm like, well, I'm on my phone. It can't affect my phone. I want to see where this goes. And you can't do that anymore. So how long does it take to to jailbreak the phone. I mean, how hard is that as a hacker? Because you would think that when they create the new operating system on the phone that you would it would be pretty locked up for quite a while. Are these hackers are they able to get in in a matter of days here after Apple or Android release updates? You know, I guess that goes into that that point earlier about the cat and mouse game and about the amount of manpower and funding that some of these projects receive. But uh, it, it, it's not only that, but the open source aspect, you know, like not only is Israel going after this now and, and maybe they already have it re-jail broken, but you have a whole group of like hobbyists and just at-home hackers that also want to jailbreak the new release. And so, it, you know, it's only a matter of, of weeks before they, they have the new one broken. Wow, it's very scary. Um, Hank Fordham is here on the shift. 
Uh, Centurion Defense is the organization, by the way, if you're curious about, uh, you know, getting uh, audits done on security in your business or you want to recommend it to your bosses or whatever, uh, search Centurion Defense, just give it a Google, you'll find them. They're based out of Calgary. Uh, Hank the Hacker is a white hat hacker. That means that he's one of the good guys, so he will hack security systems to make sure that they're secure. Everything else, there is a black hat hacker, which is just the bad guys in general, the thieves, and then, of course, the gray area people, which... Uh, Maybe go for free Netflix, not really terrible <laughs> stuff, but, you know, not really, not really above board. You know, they're the people that speed 15 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Hank, thanks for being here, buddy. Absolutely, man. Anytime. It's the Shift Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt, Ryan O'Donnell, Brendan Kelly, and in case you missed it. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryanosaurus Rex. All right, let's, uh, you know what? Let's just jump straight in with uh, this story, which is cool. Let's talk about this. What is it all about? Technology. What is that (laughs) all about? Is it good or is it whack? Is it whack? I'm going to let you know because I got a brand new piece of technology that I really want to talk about. Mm. The Nintendo Switch is a pretty cool thing. It's Nintendo's console and it fits in your hand. Or you can dock it and put it on a TV. It allows you to play Mario Kart in your bed on days where you don't want to leave your bed or on a big flat screen TV with all your friends when they're over. It's cool. It's insanely flexible and I love it. And I think that format of gaming has really translated for a lot of people because what it kind of does is is combine the go-anywhere aspect of mobile games on your phone and combine it with big-picture, actual, proper video games. I do not like mobile games. I don't have a single game on my phone because they all have the ads and Candy Crush. I watched far too many people get addicted to Candy Crush, right? Those days are over. Mm -hmm. The lady in front of me on the plane. Yeah, exactly. And this is still happening, I guess. But Nintendo is not the only one who wants to get in on this market. Valve. Valve is the company that owns Steam, which is the network company, game development studio, a whole bunch of things that runs this massive marketplace, which is called Steam. Essentially, if you play video games on your computer, the chances are you buy them through Steam. And that's kind of what Steam has always been, just a resource for people to buy video games. They've made Mm -hmm. a few, but that's it. Well, now they have unveiled their first console, but it's not really a console. It's a gaming computer that is the size of a Nintendo Switch, but it's not a Nintendo Switch. It's called the Steam Deck. It is a handheld, fully like decked out gaming computer, and it arrives this year. So to kind of give you an idea of what this thing looks like, it it looks similar to a Nintendo Switch. The thumbsticks are in a different uh, position. It has the full capabilities of a gaming computer. I built a gaming computer. It cost an absurd amount of money, but it's lasted almost 10 years without any issues. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth the money, uh, definitely. It runs a modified version of Valve's Steam OS. All of its operating systems, all that, have been kind of trimmed down to work on this platform. The reason they've trimmed it down is so that it's more like a console. It's more uh, user-friendly. You, you don't need to worry about mouse and keyboard to operate it. 
you can also provide access to unrestricted computer desktop. What I mean by that is, is when you buy this thing and get it in hand, if you just decide, man, I don't really care, you could reset it and it would be a portable computer. Ground up. As if you went and bought a brand new Dell laptop from Best Buy. Hmm. It has that capability. It's super cool. So IGN, they're great if you want any video game news. That's not coming from me. They got an exclusive hands-on preview with the Steam Deck. They got a little bit of an interview here. Uh, you get to learn more about the device. Here's a quick little tidbit of info on that. Direction or a certain set of software that they can install. If you buy a Steam Deck, it's a PC. You can install whatever you want on it. You can ins- you can attach any peripherals you want to it. Maybe a better way to think about it is that it's a small PC with a controller attached as opposed to a gaming console. This means you can do pretty much anything on it that you can do at your desk. Plug in a mouse and keyboard. Yep. Tab out of your games to a browser or video? Sure. Load up third-party programs or even other game stores? No problem. You could even wipe SteamOS entirely and install a fresh version of Windows if you want. But I will say the default SteamOS is smooth and efficient at getting you into your games, so I would imagine most people won't want or need to go that far. The point is, you can if you want to. Importantly, this also means that all of Steam's features, like cloud saves, are fully functional here. So this is kind of incredible. This is the most flexible gaming thing sold by a mass company ever. It can do whatever you want it to do. And it's not like, this isn't a bad PC. This could run most games that come out today at medium to high. You're not going to get ultra crazy graphics that blow your minds. That you need a $3,000 computer to do. But for it's going to be almost twice as good as the Nintendo Switch. And man, I have already pre-ordered mine. Oh, I'm really? so excited for this. Yep. It's been a long I, time since yep. they've had something like this. There was some other computers yeah. that, you know those, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're like the POS computers. They basically run off of a network login, so they're kind of like yep. a slave to the network server. Um, mm-hmm. You see them awful lot on, on cash registers and those kinds of things. You see them in some offices. We use them at radio sometimes. You see them in some of the office cubicles. Um, but there hasn't been, there was like some cool ones that were about yay big. And this is like 15 years ago or so. And they were clear and they were basically like laptop parts fit into, uh, really cool shell and case that gave you a super powerful computer that was just a little big, just this tiny little thing. So it's been a while since we've seen something come out like this that's driven at that specialty market mm-hmm. with a, I mean, you can really do anything on it that you want, but here's what it's really good at. Here's what it's meant for. And, and super, super cool. It's been a while since we've seen those things. It's been a long time since we have had a device from a company that isn't Sony or Microsoft in general, or Nintendo. And this is this is really cool flexibility. The nice thing about this is that gaming computers are insanely expensive. The only mm. reason I was able to afford one was because I got, a, I got three lines on Heartland. I was on the TV show Heartland for one episode, and I got enough money from that gig to buy a computer. And that has lasted me. It was totally worth the money, but not everybody can afford that. This is more expensive than a Nintendo Switch by far, but it is more powerful and more flexible. And you're not just, you can play whatever you want on this, which is so, so cool and exciting. Uh, Mm. Now I had the prices in my hand, but my uh, Google Chrome decided that it didn't want to be Google known. Oh, here it is. Okay. So sounds like you need a new computer. 
yeah, well, this is cool because it's kind of like a laptop with controllers attached to it. That's one way you could look at it. All right, so starting price is $499. The starting price for the Nintendo Switch is closer to $400, $370, I believe. Uh, but this is definitely a way more expensive option. 64 gigs of storage. The one that I have pre-ordered is $659, much bigger storage, uh, better storage, and some better stuff. There is like a full $819 one, but eh, it's a bit much. I will say... The nice thing is that you can pre-order this through Steam for five dollars. Just holds your one, it holds you, and it tells you when you get it. Uh, expected order availability is the second quarter of 2022, which is fine. I'm in no rush. I do want my hands on one of these. I'm excited. This is cool. This is a neat cool. thing in gaming. Now, this is I guess, is this technology? No, no. This is more money. Our uh, our friend. Bald man, billionaire, money man, Jeff Bezos. Oh. He is going oh. to space. I thought you were Tuesday describing me. Tuesday morning. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Brandon. Did I lose you at billionaire? Is that where I lost you? Yeah. 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 You never know. You never know. Brandon's pretty frugal. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Brandon could be a billionaire. We have no idea. Yeah, it's it's he's he's uh, doing the Richard Branson. Uh, he's going up a little bit higher in space, and he's flying from West Texas uh, aboard his ship Blue Origin. Uh, his ship looks funny. It's got a weird shape to it. It looks like um, um, it looks funny. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm not gonna <laughs> say it. <laughs> it looks funny. Uh, it's called the Shepherd. Bezos will be joined by three other people including the first paying passenger. It looks funny. It looks like a penis. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I didn't want to be the first one to say it. The ship looks like a penis. It just objectively does. It just does. If you look at it, I don't understand. This Here's could be the why they don't market it the way that they market yeah. the Virgin one, which is, excuse me, ironic in this conversation. <laughs> and the uh, the other one, the Elon Musk one. Yeah, it's... It's just, is this really the aerodynamic shape you needed for for a spaceship? I don't know. It's weird. Your comments about penetrating the ozone, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe Jeff Bezos just, no, I can't, I can't say that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to catch myself. <laughs> so a teenager is going up on this. Oliver Damon is subbing yeah. for a high bidder, okay? So th- this teenager bought their ticket, which means they come from some money. But... Just to be clear, the other person that was going to be on this ship had to drop out. Not because they were like, holy crap, I'm not ready to go to space. This is terrifying. Not, not None of those reasons. The reason they are not going to space is because they had too busy of a schedule. Oh, I'm too busy for space. Are you kidding me? Dude. This is a once, well, I don't know. Maybe he has enough money to just take the next trip. But I can't believe that. You could be on the one of the first trips ever. That's That blows my mind. That guy must have an absurd amount of money. Uh, well, standby. anyway. What, sorry? Fly and standby. I'd go standby for a discount. <laughs> yeah, fly standby. Yeah, it works. Get the buddy pass. <laughs> I will say, this, this is an interesting thing. That teenager will be the youngest person to ever go to space. And I... I don't love that the youngest person to ever go to space is because they bought they were their way there. I would have preferred if that was made by an astronaut, like a real mm-hmm. astronaut. Personally. Yeah. 
I well, this whole thing is about excess and all those yes, things. So absolutely. Well, astronaut sales director. That's an actual title. Adrian Cornell Cornell says uh, the teenager's presence pairs well with uh, one of the other passengers on this ship. Wally Funk, uh, who will become uh, the, the oldest person to have ever flown to space at, uh, uh, at the age of 82. Uh, and Oliver, the youngest person that will have ever flown to space at the age of 18. Wow. I don't know if you've seen the video of them being launched into space, but it's a lot of force. It is not easy on the human body. 82? I'm not saying he can't do it. I just feel like that would hurt. Well, and Blue Origin is like a rocket. It's a proper rocket. It's not like the it's yeah. not like the plane. He's going up with the force of a full space shuttle. Yeah, the uh, if you don't know, the Virgin one was they fly up from another big plane at like 40,000 feet, then they drop the little rocket off the bottom, and then it takes off, like not vertically but horizontally, and then goes yep. up. This one is, like Ryan said, like the space shuttle taking off from the ground, you know, shake your teeth loose kind of, you know, holy moly. Holy moly. Well, Blue Origin announced that instead of that, the, the guy who uh, had it, left for the you know his scheduling conflict uh the uh dutch son of another bidder that's why he's his son mm. uh it is less than the winning bid of 28 million so they paid less than 28 million dollars to go on this rocket ship now i have a oh. suggestion and i'm, I'm sure you guys would agree with me yeah a lot of money every good road trip needs a theme song i know you mm. have a playlist but i think if you can take a road trip from coast to coast or earth to atmosphere whatever if you listen to 50 songs on the way at least one of them kind of represents the whole journey and it just so happens that comedian musician incredibly interesting human being bo burnham put out an amazing special on netflix called inside and uh he actually made this song and i think that jeff bezos would be the silliest human being ever to not be blasting this in the rocket ship with everybody else sitting there as they go all the way up to space. Let's hear it. CEO entrepreneur born in 1964 Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos uh. CEO entrepreneur born in 1964 Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos Come on Jeffrey you can do it. Pave the way put your back into it. Tell us why show us how. Look at where you came from. Look at you now. I can't wow. play the rest of the song because it's not as kind to Jeff Bezos. But there you go. <laughs> CEO, entrepreneur, Jeffrey like Bezos. It. This is very synth pop. I like it. Very synthy. I, I recommend listening to that whole album and watching the special. It's very hard to watch, but it's very good. Let's uh, let's do some more neat news. I'm on a neat news night. I, uh, I enjoy the history. I enjoy the study of, of things. And this is one that I didn't even know was people were looking into. But it turns out that there has been research going on for decades to find out how many people are related to Leonardo da Vinci. Hmm. So using some DNA tracking, using some genealogy, and maybe wishing to an actual genie, because I don't know how you trace this, 
they have found that there are people who are alive right now that are direct descendants of Leonardo da Vinci. That's cool. 14 people are related to him. So he was clearly very active in the Renaissance. Now, the reason this is cool (laughs) is... Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, good for him. Uh, It could help us understand why he was a genius. What I mean by that is that the researchers wrote that these results are eagerly awaited from a historical viewpoint as they will help us understand the scientifically explanation of the roots of his genius. Essentially, what they can do is look at his descendants now and trace that to find out if in his DNA there is evidence that he was stronger, he was smarter, and you can really look at what's here now and trace it all the way back so that we even have a better picture of one of the most brilliant people to walk this planet. Uh, I would be curious, though, if you found out you were related to Leonardo da Vinci, do you think you'd have like an epiphany and start painting like an incredible genius? Or would you be stuck like I am with drawing stick figures? I think that you would probably look at your career choices and go, damn. Damn. Great, 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 great grandpa was on it. Leo. And you can still make a lot of money. At the, earlier this month, an auction was record was set when a very tiny sketch Leonardo did of a bear sold for $12 million. So there you go. Uncle Leo, pass on the dough. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.